Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of What the Heck is Crypto. I'm your host, Stephen Cesaro. Today is Thursday, December 8th. It's a uh, bit of a calm week in the crypto markets. Ethereum coming in around 1278, Bitcoin at uh, 17,187 as we record this. I'm going to talk to you about uh, DEXs today, decentralized exchanges. Um, I think it's a great topic I've always wanted to cover, dive in a little bit more. Uh, it'll be fun. First, though, want to uh, touch on a little bit of uh, big, big news in the, the Ethereum world. Uh, there was a developer meeting yesterday and talking about what's going to happen in the, the, the Shanghai fork. Uh, the Shanghai fork is, is scheduled for spring 2023. And it looks like the developers are going to push to enable uh, staking withdrawals, which is a huge thing. Um, for those of you who don't know, when you stake your Ethereum, uh, you can't currently unstake it. Uh, some people have had Ethereum staked uh, for, for years at this point, uh, unable to withdraw it. Uh, this has been a point of contention between the uh, Ethereans and the Bitcoiners uh, on Twitter, concerned that the fate of your Ethereum might be in the hands of uh, a few developers who can uh, choose to enable withdrawals. I think it's a little bit of FUD personally, but uh, you know, a, a worthwhile criticism. We should strive to be as decentralized as possible in the space at all times. But uh, that's going to be a big event because that's going to put to rest you know, one of the last kind of arguments I've been hearing people make against uh, Ethereum 2.0 and, and the merge. Um, we transition from uh, the merge isn't going to work to, uh, well, you can't withdraw your coin, so who cares? But uh, that, that's going to be gone in a couple months. So uh, re really looking forward to that. I think it's a good question uh, whether or not this is going to be a uh, bullish or, or, or bearish event. Uh, a lot of people are concerned that uh, all of this Ethereum that's been staked for, uh, for years might want to sell once, uh, once these people have access to their coins. Uh, in addition to that, uh, this Ethereum has been uh, accruing staking rewards. Um, so people at a, at a minimum might want to cash in on uh, some of those rewards. I think ultimately this is probably going to end up being a, a, a bullish catalyst for Ethereum. Um, could see an argument for price selling off initially. I could see reasons people might be uh, scared of that. But I, I, I think the timing of this is going to be pretty good because I'm expecting a little bit of a, a sell-off in, in the macro markets in, in Q1, expecting stocks to go down, uh, possibly to new lows, and expecting crypto to, to dip down along with this. So if you get to buy some Ethereum in uh, January, February, uh, March at some, some, some depressed prices, I mean, this, this, could be a, this could be an event that you know, sends us higher. Um, I do expect this to ultimately lead to more people staking on Ethereum. I, I, I think there is probably a lot of people who want to stake, but, but haven't done so yet because of this, uh, this withdrawal FUD. Um, currently, uh, there exist a few staking providers that you can put your coins with. Um, Coinbase is a very popular one. Um, if you don't know how to use the Ethereum blockchain or don't really want to, um, on-chain, you can use apps like uh, Lido. Rocket Pool are very popular staking providers. All these um, staking providers right now 
they, they, they do give you liquidity because when you stake your coin, you get sort of like an IOU token in return. So you stake your ETH on Coinbase and you get Coinbase ETH back. You stake your ETH on Lido and you get a Lido ETH token back. Uh, same thing with Rocket Pool. And these tokens are interesting because they sort of like accrue interest over time. Like if you have the Coinbase ETH token, uh, that token uh, gets more and more and more uh, ETH value added to it because it's it's basically taking the staking rewards of your ETH and it's all rolling it into the token with you. These tokens in theory should trade like close to one to one because you should in theory be able to simply um, you know buy the token and unstake the ETH if there's a big difference in price. But um, because there's been so much uncertainty about when withdrawals are going to happen and there's been some liquidity issues in the markets lately, there's been um, obviously the, the FTX disaster caused a lot of selling to happen. So, so we've seen some of these staked Ethereum tokens, um, kind of deviate quite a bit in value. I, I saw that the Coinbase ETH token was, was trading at, you know, 92, 93 cents to the dollar, um, the other day. So if you're someone who just sort of wants exposure to this asset class and doesn't really care about decentralization, doesn't really want to. Uh, self-custody your own ETH. Maybe you have your Ethereum in, in Coinbase anyway. Buying Coinbase ETH instead of buying ETH itself can be an interesting play because you're, you're basically going to get that ETH at a, at a discount. You know, you may get it at 95, 96, 97 cents on the dollar, depending on when you listen to this. But if, if withdrawals end up being enabled in, in, in April or, or, or March, whenever this, this fork happens, um, that 97 cents on the dollar can very quickly go to uh, to one to one to one uh, on the dollar, and you can kind of uh, make a little profit there um, just on that uh, that that parity happening. So uh, potentially interesting play for you. I think that once this sort of blows over, everybody's going to start staking. Um, who is maybe sitting on the sidelines, uh, wanting to be able to take their money out if they stake, which is is very reasonable. Um, this could drive us to see a lot of ETH locked up next year. And, and Ethereum staking rewards have been very, very high uh, since the merge. I've seen uh, many days where you're making basically over 10% uh, annualized on your staked ETH. I mean, Ethereum is truly like a very interesting asset in that it, it provides you this, this yield um, that is not really just kind of invented out of nowhere. Like there, there, there is sustainable yield on Ethereum because there is demand um, to use the blockchain and that blockchain demand filters through into the, into the token price and, and, and into that yield. Um, additionally, you're also earning uh, yield when you stake your ETH uh, with somebody like uh, Lido on something called uh, MEV, uh, minor extractable value. I guess now we call it maximum extractable value. Um, so you're not just getting like uh, staking rewards um, from your ETH, but you're, you're also getting this additional uh, MEV bonus, right? There, there's, there's a value in deciding, you know, who gets to put their transactions in first. Um, you know, you can sort of uh, buy before somebody else does that may be of particular de dollar value to a user. Um, so there's this whole underground uh, fee market of Ethereum users sort of like, bribing validators in order to get their transactions in first. And, and, and this fee revenue is uh, trickling down to ETH stakeholders as well. So I think that when withdrawals are enabled, people are going to be looking at this like extremely high yield. You know, it might be might be around 10 percent still at the time. Who knows? Uh, so a 10 percent yield 
and withdrawals enabled, people may suddenly say like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to lock up my ETH. I'm going to go after this yield. And that yield is going to naturally drive like a huge demand for staking. Uh, a huge demand for staking is going to take a lot of ETH off of the market, because if your ETH is staked, you know, you're not you're not really selling it. You're not really doing much else with it. Um, and that reduces just the amount of ETH like on exchanges that people can buy. And as that supply ticks lower and lower and lower, as more and more people sort of lock up their ETH um, in stake, you could have quite a big uh, bullish price catalyst at, at some point next year. Now, I, I don't know how sustainable that will be because I, I am expecting a pretty bad recession, I think. Um, probably not till later in the year, though, maybe, maybe Q4. So for you traders out there, I mean, this could be an interesting uh, swing trading opportunity, buying, uh, buying some cheap ETH in Q1 and then playing this, uh, playing this uh, staking uh, withdrawals trade for, for the whole year. Uh, or if you're a long-term hodler, you know, who, who cares? Just uh, buy a uh, stake and then, uh, you know, go back, to your, go back to your day job and enjoy yourself. Don't worry about trading these swings. Um, so cool. Good job, ETH devs. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the main topic now. Um, as, as you all probably know, we, we had a uh, disastrous year with uh, centralized crypto custodians. We saw the demise of Celsius, the demise of, of Voyager. We saw hedge funds blow up. Uh, and then most recently, we saw the uh, complete annihilation of, of FTX exchange, along with you know, billions of dollars of, of, of user uh, deposits. And I think a lot of crypto users have... Um, you know, started asking themselves like, wait, wait, why do I keep money on an exchange? Like maybe I should uh, learn how to custody my own money. Um, maybe I should start exploring some of these other options for, uh, for buying and, and, and selling crypto. And, you know, like a few years ago, there wasn't much you could do as far as, uh, you know, buying and selling crypto off of centralized exchanges. But on Ethereum over the last few years, like we, we've developed uh, the, the decentralized exchange. Um, first big protocol to come out, a protocol called Uniswap, which some of you may be familiar with. And Uniswap was a really, really cool application because it, it provided so much utility for users, right? The ability to just swap one token for another token without having to uh, sign up to an exchange account, without having to trust anybody. Um, and it was, it was brilliant in its simplicity. I think the original Uniswap design only had about 150 or so lines of code um, and, and ended up reaching a you know, valuation in the last bull market of, of many, many, many billions of dollars. I would, I would curious if, uh, be curious if anybody knows of any other <laughs> uh, application that's, that's achieved a, you know, unicorn status uh, with just 150 lines of code and, and, and one or two employees. It really is... Uh, quite the remarkable thing. But the, the success of Uniswap uh, bred a lot of, you know, clones and copycats and competitors. Um, and then while Uniswap is sort of the dominant uh, decentralized exchange on Ethereum, uh, we, we saw the creation of, uh, you know, other DEXs um, on, on other chains. On, on Binance chain, you have, you have Pan PancakeSwap. On Avalanche, you have, you have Trader Joe. And on on a phantom you have uh, swaps like like spooky swap or or um or spirit swap and a lot of these these protocol protocols are all sort of forks of the uh uniswap uh, design the the amm so so what exactly is an amm well it, it, it's pretty simple it's it's basically a contract that has 
you know, two coins in it in a pool. So if you want to buy Ethereum or you want to sell Ethereum uh, for dollars or with dollars, right? You could go to Uniswap and you could go to the Ethereum USDC pool. And in that pool, 50% uh, of the value is Ethereum and 50% of the value is USDC. And the mechanism is, is, is super simple. If you want uh, <laughs> Ethereum, you put USDC in the pool. Uh, if you want uh, USDC, you put Ethereum in the pool and take USDC back out. Unlike a normal exchange, you know, or, or any sort of, you know, stock stock exchange or or, or Coinbase crypto exchange uh, that that you may be used to using, there are no market makers in an AMM. Um, an AMM is simply just a pool, you know, typically with two coins in it. Although there are other, you know, AMM iterations like uh, Balancer, which allow multiple coins in a pool, but we we won't go there. Um, on a regular exchange, you typically have price discovery by, you know, the market makers where people are sort of willing to willing to buy, where people are, are willing to sell. Um, but an AMM like Uniswap um, achieves the price of Ethereum simply by other market forces coming in and, and adding or taking tokens out of the pool. So if the price of Uniswap on Ethereum is $1,000, but the price of uh, uh the, the, the price of Ethereum on Binance goes to $1,100. Well, what somebody is going to end up doing is they're going to start buying a bunch of Ethereum on Uniswap and then selling it on, uh, on Binance. And when somebody buys ETH at 1000 and sells it at 1100 on another exchange, if you do that enough, eventually those prices converge. Like, so the prices on the exchange may come down from 1100 uh, The price on Uniswap may go up from 1000 and now you've achieved uh, price discovery on Uniswap uh, or any other AMM that functions this way. So what are the pros and cons of, of AMMs? Right? Let, let, let's just pretend you're uh, somebody who wants to, to buy a coin. You're, you're an investor. You want to buy some token. You don't feel like using uh, Coinbase. Something like a Uniswap is, is, is a really interesting. You don't have to worry about uh, you know, signing up for an account, doing any KYC. Uh, you don't have to worry about the exchange, losing your tokens, all these things. You can just interact with a smart contract and, and, and get the coins that you need. Um, so the, the, the benefits is there. It's a lot of simplicity, right? There, there's nothing to do other than simply go and swap the tokens. And the price you get is just the price of the coin. Whereas on an exchange, you know, you may have to worry about market orders and limit orders and, and all this stuff that, that doesn't exist on an AMM. So simplicity is great. Um, on the downside, you know, say AMMs can sometimes be quite pricey depending on the um, token you're trading. Like there are pools that may charge you 30 basis points uh, on Uniswap. Um, even I think there's even 100 basis point uh, pools, right? So those fees can be substantially larger than um, what you might pay on a normal exchange. But I think a lot of people are, are okay with that. They're, they, they like the simplicity. Uh, they like the anonymity. Um, and they're they're sort of willing to 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 pay that. I know I personally do a, a ton of trading on AMMs. I I I like I I like the 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 benefits that they bring. Um, the the other side of AMMs is the is the people who are actually putting the coins in the pool, the liquidity providers, uh, LPing, uh, as we call it. Um, this was like a really popular thing during DeFi summer uh, of of 2020, uh, even into 
even into 2021 where people were, you know, taking tokens they had and, and staking them in these uh, decentralized exchange pools and earning a quote unquote uh, yield. Um, but what they don't tell you is that this yield is uh, not exactly what it seems. Um, when you put tokens in an AMM as a liquidity provider to, to earn you know, on your tokens, um, you are risking something we call impermanent loss. And what, what impermanent loss is, is um, it, it, it's a loss that occurs to you when like the, the price of the two tokens you put in uh, deviates a lot from one another. So if you put coins in a Uniswap pool as a liquidity provider and like a thousand trades happen and then the price of Ethereum is the same and you take your coins out, well, you did really well there because Ethereum is the same price. You collected all of these fees from the traders and you're feeling pretty happy. But if you put Ethereum in USDC in a, in a Uniswap pool at you know $1,000 Ethereum, a uh, thousand trades happen, but the price of Ethereum goes from a thousand to 5,000, well, when you pull your uh, when you pull your coins out, you're going to have a lot less Ethereum. You're going to have a lot more uh, USDC, and you're going to find that you would have had a lot more money even after fees if you had just simply held your Ethereum and USDC separately. So, so AMMs like Uniswap, like SushiSwap, um, great options for kind of like retail investors, people who want to just use the blockchain, make trades. Um, not great options on the liquidity side. So kind of uh, recommend staying away from that. Of course, since we invented the AMM, we've, we've kind of come up with other models for exchanges. Um, another popular kind of new model for an exchange is, uh, is the, the Oracle model for an exchange. Um, and it, what is an Oracle? So may, many of you have probably heard of, of Chainlink, uh, Chainlink is, a, is an oracle. It, it basically is an application, you know, that is able to communicate prices of assets to the blockchain. Like uh, the Ethereum blockchain doesn't know what the price of Ethereum is. Like you need uh, an oracle to basically tell you in a trustless way what the price of Ethereum is. It's important that it be, uh, you know, robust and not hackable because if you could hack an oracle and tell somebody that the price of Ethereum is five thousand dollars when the actual price is a thousand, you can kind of do a lot of shenanigans and manipulate applications and stuff like that. But that's another story. So, an alternative to the Uniswap AMM model is the Oracle Exchange, and th this is basically where instead of uh, the decentralized exchange using either like a, a a pool of capital to find price discovery or or um, you know just typical market makers. It simply asks what the price is from somebody else. So a really popular Oracle exchange right now, one that's like had in, insane growth actually throughout all of 2021. I mean, this is one of the best investments you could have made uh, in the bear market uh, is a decentralized exchange called uh, GMX. Uh, GMX exists on both Avalanche and Arbitrum, um, but it's mostly used um, on Arbitrum, which is a, a layer two uh, built on top of uh, Ethereum. Uh, GMX is like a really interesting and, and novel design and in, in how it works. Um, because when you swap ETH on GMX, it's, it's just simply asking Binance basically what the price of ETH is. As a trader, you're able to execute 
um, gigantic size without incurring something called uh, slippage. So normally if you're trading on say Coinbase, right? Um, you're buying coins from market makers. Um, like a, a small number of people may be willing to sell to you at uh, you know the price, uh, the spot price of Ethereum. But as you're willing, but but as you're willing to pay more and more and more and more money, there's 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 more depth on the book. Like more people are willing to sell. Um, so if you come in with like a, a hundred million dollars in size, right, trying to buy Ethereum uh, when Ethereum is a thousand dollars, and you just market buy that all at once. Um, you don't buy Ethereum at a thousand. You may buy your first Ethereum at a thousand, but then the millionth Ethereum you buy might be at a thousand twenty. And then by the time you buy your hundred millionth Ethereum, you've moved the price all the way up to like, you know, a thousand and fifty dollars, right? So your average price ends up being quite a bit higher than the the listed um, spot price when you started your buy. This is what we call slippage, and this is like a normal thing that larger players in the market. Uh, have to deal with. Uh, you buy with such size that you move the price. Well, because of the design of GMX, because it's just simply asking Binance what the price is, um, as long as there's like enough Ethereum in the GMX pool, well, you can buy all of that Ethereum at whatever the quoted price is. Um, so this is like a really interesting model for um, people who are trying to trade Ethereum anonymously, trade it on chain, uh, and move a lot of size and just have the flexibility to execute like really, really big buys and not move um, the price at all. And even for like a, a little guy who might normally want to be buying on uh, Uniswap, um, GMX can still be an attractive option because you are uh, only paying 10 basis points um, for a trade in, in, in terms of, of a fee, whereas on um, you know, a particular Uniswap pool, you might be uh, paying, you know, 30 basis points. So interesting there. But the, the other thing that is interesting about GMX is that it allows you to actually leverage trade. And uh, the vast majority of you out there should probably not be uh, leverage trading. But if if you know what you're doing and you, you have a good skill set, leverage trading can be really interesting because you can take a thousand dollars of capital and you could buy 10,000, 20,000, even even a hundred thousand um, dollars worth of Ethereum. <laughs> and then uh, profit from uh, you know tiny tiny market moves. So so GMX is is one of uh, you know pro probably the second most popular uh, leverage trading protocol that you can use uh, in a decentralized fashion. Um, I'm not personally an investor in GMX. I worry a, a little bit about potential black swans. Um, it's a novel protocol design. I don't think we can be like 100% sure, you know, how, how it'll work. Um, it's, sometimes in crypto, we, we, we build these things that they, they, seem, they seem stable, um, often for, for long periods of time. And, and then one day, just something, something happens and, and, and everything's gone. Um, a lot of people are asking if GMX is going to be uh, the next Luna. I don't think that's a fair comparison because the, the, Design mechanisms are entirely different, and Luna was sort of mathematically uh, destined to fail. Um, but I do think it is worth asking the question uh, if a protocol like GMX um, has some design flaw that we, we don't know about yet. So uh, if it sounds interesting to you as an investor, um, definitely take a look at it. Um, the tokenomics are interesting. Uh, unlike a lot of tokens in DeFi, um, there is a 
actual sort of methodology to return value to the token holders. So these, this thing does kind of trade similar to how a stock trades where, um, you know, the more people who use the trading platform, the more fees you're generated, the more fees go uh, to the token. Um, contrast this with the Uniswap token, which is purely a, a, a governance token. Like a Uniswap token does not receive any trading fees. It just allows you to, to, to vote uh, on, on Uniswap um, proposals. So uh, two, two wildly different uh, token designs, uh, two wildly different uh, exchanges. I think those are two really good um, examples of like the kind of diversity that's out there if you want to explore um, trading uh, on chain and kind of taking custody uh, of your money. The, the, the third model of exchange, uh, the, the central limit order book, uh, you know, called a club for short, if you will, um, is it also exists on chain. Um, this is going to be DYDX, uh, which also happens to be, I, I believe, the you know, the largest um, derivatives exchange that exists purely on chain. Uh, DYDX uh, and the central limit order book is, is, a, is a similar mechanism to how Coinbase works, to how Kraken works, to how Binance works, right? Um, this is like the model we have in, in TradFi, basically. Um, price is determined by market makers, you know, who are willing to sell at a particular price, willing to buy at a particular price, and sort of charging a spread uh, in between, which is how uh, they they make money and how they provide liquidity. Um, so this is the this is the third model of exchange we have today. Again, the first was the AMM, the second was the the Oracle model, uh, the third central limit order book. Um, this is a, I I, I think um, the more, well I don't know if it's more interesting. I, I think GMX is interesting in what it's trying to do because it's trying to do something. Uh, new but i think the the dydx model is is more viable one of the problems with running an, an oracle based exchange like gmx is that the size of gmx is sort of capped by where it's like getting its price data from like gmx for example like can't become bigger than binance if it is just getting all of its price data from binance so I, I think something like GMX is like an interesting idea that if nothing blows up, may just simply run into problems because it's like capped and sort of like how big it can scale. Um, DYDX, because it does have the traditional market maker model, um, the same thing that something like Binance has. Um, DYDX exchange is, is I think, in, in theory, could basically uh, scale to, to infinity. So, so that's interesting. Uh, it, it, it's also one of the, the best, maybe maybe the best app that's ever been built in crypto. Um, I would encourage you to to check it out and and try it uh, if you've never if you've never used it before because it's it, it's it, it's pretty cool. Um, you can't buy spot coins on DYDX. Um, when, when I say spot, when we when we say spot, it means like you're going to an exchange and you're literally buying. Say you want to buy Ethereum. You're literally buying um, physical Ethereum. You're buying actual Ethereum coins. Um, but addition, in addition to spot on exchange, we also have derivatives. Um, so this is similar to in, in TradFi, where you can um, you can buy shares of Microsoft stock and actually own the stock, but you can also speculate on Microsoft futures. 
And futures aren't necessarily like stock. They're simply like a bet on where the price would be um, at, at, at a later date. And we have the same thing in crypto where you can buy spot Ethereum. You can buy actual Ethereum that you can custody in your wallet. wallet. Or if you're like a professional trader, a professional speculator, um, or just somebody who kind of likes to gamble because it is, it is, it is kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Um, do it responsibly, please. Uh, <laughs> you, you can trade, you can trade, uh, perpetuals, uh, futures, all, all of these derivatives that are sort of built on the price of these coins, but like where coins don't literally change hands. And, and that's what DYDX is. It is a completely decentralized, uh, derivatives platform where you can basically trade Ethereum, Bitcoin, like a whole slew of, of futures, um, with leverage in a uh, trading platform that looks very similar to something that you might uh, use. Like if you're like a professional trader who, who, or, or, you know, even like a, a casual person who's really into it, who's used to using like Binance or, you know, a Coinbase pro or some of the, some of the slightly more advanced, uh, platforms. Um, I love DYDX. I, 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 I trade on there. Um, it's a, it's a really, really great platform, really bullish on it as a project. I think as a user, um, the pluses and minuses are sort of that if you trade with small volume on DYDX, you, you actually can trade for free, which is really, really nice. They have a uh, base tier where if you trade less than 100,000 a month, you, you actually don't pay any fees. So kind of a great option for somebody who is looking to kind of speculate, you know, trade in a speculative fashion, but is small and doesn't want to get eaten up by fees on like a Uniswap uh, or on like a uh, even like a GMX. Right. Uh, so that's a that's a definite plus for people. Uh, the other plus of, of DOIDX, if you're a, if you know, you know, a hobbyist trader even, uh, is that you have like more complicated order execution. Um, it's a lot easier to place advanced orders like like trailing stops and type of things that you you know need to to manage a position. So that's a, a another great plus. Um, on the downside, it's it's more complicated to use than GMX. It's a lot more complicated to use than Uniswap, and uh, most importantly of all, like you you can't actually buy uh, physical coins with it. So it's not a good option if you're trying to buy stuff and and hold on to it for you know five years, ten years. But it might be a cool thing to do, like if you just want to speculate on a you know one month or two month player uh, or, or or something like that, or or just like you know try your try your hand at a at trading. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, for an investor, DYDX's token is, I think, more similar to Uniswap's token than GMX's token. Uh, the DYDX token does not accrue any value currently from trading on the platform. Um, and DYDX uses the token as a reward to incentivize people to trade and to market make. Um, so every day there's like new tokens being released onto the market um, because the supply is inflating and because the token isn't really accruing any value. Um, it's, it's not like a crazy sort of up only uh, token like, like, like GMX has been. It, it, it's, it's, I think, kind of questionable uh, whether or not this is actually a, a, a good investment yet. Um, I'm personally looking at this space like really deeply just as like a, as like a narrative, the decentralized trading narrative. Um, everybody I know who starts using this stuff, like really likes it. I think people 
like wants to be traders. I think like we live in this era now where people, you know, trade options on on Robinhood and more and more and more people are starting to trade like more complex financial instruments. Uh, it's not like the old days where people would just kind of pick up the phone and their their stockbroker would just buy stuff for them. Like the the, the modern investor is getting uh, more sophisticated. So I think as you get more adoption into crypto and you also get more of a you know generalized loss of trust among the centralized exchanges of the world, there's going to be a lot of demand coming in um, to use decentralized decentralized exchanges. Um, so this is going to be a huge narrative, I think, over the next, you know, five, five to 10 years. And there's a lot of competitors in the space, um, you know, looking to kind of make their mark and, and, and you know, be, be the winners. Um, we mentioned uh, we mentioned Uniswap, we mentioned DYDX, mentioned uh, GMX, um, but there's some other stuff out there, too, if you want to kind of um, poke around either, you know, as a as a trader or as an investor who might want to look into the tokens, uh, another one I've been uh, digging a little more into is uh, is Gains Network uh, GNS token. Um, similar model to uh, GMX, but with some some slight um, differences. Uh, it has more assets. You can trade uh, currencies and and stocks on on it, um, which is kind of like an interesting play uh, on. Optimism, you've got uh, Quenta, which is built on the Synthetics Exchange. Um, so those are, and, and oh, I also forgot uh, Perp, uh, Perp.fi, uh, Perpetual Protocol, similar to uh, DYDX. Um, so yeah, like a, as an investor, if, if you want to go a little more out the risk curve, uh, definitely take a look at the uh, decentralized exchange uh, narrative. I think that it also has the opportunity to sort of be a diversifier in your portfolio sometimes if you've got a if you've got a good investment there. Like a lot of times, for example, when like Ethereum is tanking, um, price going down usually translates to like really, really high trading volume. Really, really high trading volume translates into users and fees on these exchanges. So they can actually do pretty well in times of chaos. And uh, GMX is a good example of this. Um, you know, since the, the, the FTX crash, it's a, a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice little run up there. So it's, it, it, it's good to have stuff that can actually do well in these, these bear markets and isn't just going to kind of go down uh, with everything else. Um, but yeah, I want, want to stress again, though, this is, um, this is definitely a little bit more of like, a, I don't want to say like experts only, but it's, 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 a, it's an advanced thing. Like don't play around with leverage, um, with money that you don't want to lose if you don't, know what you're doing. Um, don't invest in like any of this stuff. Like if you don't understand the tokenomics, if you don't understand like what, what's the purpose of this token? Like how does it uh, accrue value? Um, not here trying to tell you what to buy and what not to buy, um, but just trying to more open your mind up to the possibilities of, of, of what's out there so that you can kind of go out uh, and do your own research, hopefully uh, find yourself a nice little gem and then, uh, you know, have a good time when the bull market returns. Anyway, I think we'll wrap it up there for this week. Um, if you found this interesting at all, you know, let me know. Uh, I, you, can, you can find me on Twitter if you're not following me there already, at, at Steven Cesaro. You should find that in the uh, show description if you, uh, if you can't spell that. And if you're really into crypto, you're looking for people to, to talk to about crypto on, on a regular basis, um, you can find me in the Alfalfa Pod Discord. 
Uh, we've got a great community over there, a bunch of people who love talking about crypto, but even more than crypto, we talk about we talk about business, we talk about um, we talk about traditional investing, we even talk about you know life and technology and just kind of uh, shoot the shit with each other. It's a it's a great little community. Uh, highly recommend uh, checking it out if you are you know are looking for a place to, to talk to people. Uh, you can find the link at alfalfapod.com just join and uh say hi let me know that you joined and i I will see you there anyway thanks everybody for listening i will see you next week have a great weekend seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.